Hi, I'm Sapan Gai, Chief Commercial Officer for Sovereign Metals Limited, which is an ASX name listed company. We're developing the Kasia Rutar Graphite Deposit in Malawi. The deposit, uh, the resource, the project is world-class, tier one, amazing, all the, uh, all the superlatives above. Um, and hopefully you'll, uh, you'll understand exactly why with this, uh, with this discussion we're about to have. Well, look, I'm, I do want to talk about Rutal, but I also want to talk about graphite. <laughs> you don't mind. You, you put out a press release today, and that's what kind of uh, attracted me to this, because that whole EV uh, narrative is, you know, continues to grow and grow and grow. Whatever the equities market is, is doing, the, the train has definitely left the station, or the rubbers at the road probably be more apt. Um, tell us a little about um, the news from this, this morning about graphite, if you don't mind. Sure. So we announced this morning that... We got the results back on some test work we had done on our graphite, which is, for all intents and purposes, we call a co-product of um, of uh, manufacturing the rutile out of out of the deposit. Um, the test work was to see whether this graphite works well in uh, lithium-ion batteries and therefore can be used within the the, the EV ecosystem. Um, you know, I think George Orwell wrote that. Uh, you know, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. And I think the same applies to graphite. You know, all graphite is obviously carbon, but only certain types of graphites can be used within lithium-ion batteries. We want to make sure that ours at Casia can do that. And the two things we tested for were uh, crystallinity, which is all about how uh, conductive it is uh, electrically, and purity, because you don't want any nasties in your battery, otherwise your battery life cycle, the, the chances of it uh, being uh, being recharged uh, over a number of times all decreases. So what we found was we have near perfect crystallinity, right? So what's that mean? What's that mean, Satan? Near perfect. So that means if I'm if I'm producing a battery, and I want to produce a battery that actually works better than anyone else out there. I'm going to get as perfect crystallinity, as perfect electrical conductivity of these little hexagonal particles of graphite in my anode, in my negative piece to the uh, to to the battery, right? And what we're saying is our graphite does exactly that, right? So when it comes to graphite going into batteries, what we're hoping is we're on we're, we're at the top of the list when it comes to uh, uh, comes to being able to supply that type of graphite. Right. Okay. And and. Take this the right way. You've got the world's largest retail deposit. So if not the largest, certainly one of, one of the world's largest retail deposit. And it's the thing that you kicked off this conversation with. But you could argue right now, at this moment in time, the market is very much focused on this EV revolution. Graphite's going to be way more interesting to lots of people than perhaps the retail. And, and I appreciate you could probably remind us about the economics around the retail. Um, but how do you advance and move the graphite component along, given this this narrative, of the, the, you know, that, that's going on out there? Yeah. So look, um, remember the legacy behind Sovereign Metals. Sovereign Metals had been in Malawi since 2012, actually looking for graphite, and we had a number of small graphite projects. Uh, the Malangundi graphite project being the most advanced, that was undergoing a, 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 a definitive feasibility study. And what we found was uh, while we were doing the bulk test work, you know, people started asking, well, why is there a lot of titanium in, in the tailings coming off this test work? And we went out and we tried to find out the answer to that. And 
like as I like to say, you know, we ended up tripping over the world's largest rutile deposit. But that within that rutile deposit, there's still graphite, right? There's like 1.4% of that deposit is is graphite, this type of graphite that we've just tested now and got uh, um, the, these these wonderful results for. So we've got that legacy historical knowledge already, that knowledge base. You know, we we had been testing the Malingundi graphite, whether it works in lithium-ion batteries back in 2016. So given that this type of, uh, you know, to get graphite qualified for lithium-ion battery use, for use in electric vehicles, it's like a three to five year process. You know, we started that in 2016 with the Malingundi graphite. What we do know and what we've seen and what these results point to is that the Kathia graphite looks at, reacts exactly like the Malingundi graphite. So we're, we're, we're almost way ahead of the pack here when it comes to uh, looking at what, what what our graphite is going to look like and do in a battery. And therefore, you know, we want to be knocking on the doors of the right people very, very soon. Right. But just again, remind me in terms of the, the, the logistics of, of this. It's not a case of one or other. These things get mined at the same time and you extract at the same time. Is that the way it works? Same time, same deposit, the neighbors within within the material, right? Um, the only nuance is, is the the, the rutile is higher grade at surface and slowly decline, uh, de declines in grade further down. When I say further down, I'm not talking hundreds of meters down. I'm talking like five meters. I'm talking 10 meters, right? It's what you could do in your garden if you really want it. Um, with the graphite, it's an inverse relationship. So the graphite's quite low grade, but as we go down, further down, we get higher grade rutile, uh, higher grade graphite. So because of that inverse relationship and because of the economics, it makes sense to just take the whole kind of 10 meters or so off the top, having removed, what, 30 centimeters of topsoil if if required. Um, so yeah, look, we, we did a quick scoping study on all of that and what that looks like if we mined it. And we looked at the economics of that. And at the time we had done, um, the scoping study basically looked at, okay, if we mine this stuff for 25 years, if we put through uh, 25 million tons per annum of the material, what are we getting out in, in, in the back end? And what does it mean in terms of real hard cash? And what we found was we'd be producing about 250,000 tons of rutile and about 150,000 tons of graphite, um, an MPV of one and a half billion US dollars. And that's off the back of under $400 million of CapEx. So almost like a three to one ratio of MPV to, to CapEx there. 36% IRR. Crucially, for those who you know worry about clipping coupons off, uh, off mining uh, companies, we're talking EBITDA of close to $400 million for 25 years, right? That's $400 million per annum. Okay, so the economics, in fact, you're moving into PFS phase now with the recent um, mineral resource estimate. I guess that kind of underpins the, the, the basis of that PFS going forward. But um, so what's the timing on those, that update of, of numbers? Yeah, so we've been busy working on the PFS. We've been a little quiet in the market, but the reason for that is we've got our heads down. This is a huge deposit, right? I mean, like to put it into context, for especially those in the UK, I always tell them it's like two Manchesters, right? That's the size of this thing. It's not... It's, we're not going to figure out how to mine it, which sequence to mine it in, how to transport it to a plant, you know, where that power is going to come from, how are we going to get it uh, on a on a rail to port, and who are we going to sell it to overnight, 
right? So that's taking a while. And the last thing we want to do is put out rushed, potentially um, not robust figures out there. You know, there have been a lot of changes since the scoping study, both in terms of the macro environment, the, 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 the supply demand for these things is just, you know, on the supply side, uh, both rutile and graphite uh, are in huge or will be in huge deficits. Um, and on the demand side, I mean, every, everyone wants this stuff, right? They're critical minerals, no matter who you look at. So we're busy making sure what we put out as a PFS in the coming months is, you know, we can stand behind those figures. Okay. Um, in the site, the, the the timing is what, though? When, when do we see those? So we're hoping Q3 this year we'll have, uh, yeah, we'll you know, have a PFS. I'm paying attention because the, the, the numbers, the, the, the CapEx is, 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 is quite low in relation to what the MPV um, looks like, which is, which is interesting. Um, but you're going to need to kind of get this, this thing financed and so forth. So we're moving through to PFS. That's when people start paying attention to, to the numbers properly, I guess. Because they're a little bit more um, certain in, in, in that sense, or certainly a little bit more accurate. You get you're going to have to start conversations with regards to the graphite component. There's a big ecosystem um, in the UK, it's big uh, sorry Europe, and a big ecosystem in in Asia leaning into stories like yours. So, or do you feel confident in the nature of those conversations with regards to whether it be offtakes or debt or or otherwise for a project of this size? Look, very much so. Um, you know, financing a project is kind of bread and butter, given my background as a banker. You know, I've done this, uh, done this multiple times, so it's always something that you want to start putting the pieces of the puzzle together very early on. And we've made no qualms of telling the markets that, you know, we've signed an MOU with, with Mitsui, for example, um, out of Japan, a huge, uh, huge uh, trading house there. Japan has recently talked about how it needs to secure these critical minerals. It's put something like 24 billion US dollars into play to just secure uh, graphite, cobalt, lithium, all those good, good and fun battery minerals right now. Um, so, you know, we continue our discussions with our uh, off-takers right now. It's at MOU stage because we don't know what, you know, what we're going to ultimately produce. So they don't know what they're ultimately going to be buying from us. But as we de-risk the project and get closer to that that figure, you know that will slowly become a binding uh, contract. Within that, we have um, a strategic partnership for them to market our products throughout Asia as well. So, really, you know, we've got this. Uh, we've signed the MOU. We're looking at Mitsui almost like this this big brother because this is a this is a huge deposit. This is not something that a, a small exploration company with a hundred million pound market cap is going to get off the ground, you know, in the next few months. Um, you know, as they say, the God is on the side of the biggest battalions, right? And so it's much easier for us to be doing this with a strategic partner or someone there that can hold our hand as we, as, as we work our way through that, uh, that ecosystem. Right, and so what can your shareholders look forward to seeing in terms of you driving that share price? Obviously, a PFS is a, is a, is a big moment. How quickly will you move through the following phases with, with or without this kind of um, strategic partner and their balance sheet? 
Yeah, so look, we'll, we'll we'll be hoping for updates to the PFS as we as we progress that between now and you know Q3. Uh, so we'll have updates throughout that PFS comes out. We'll be looking at further offtake arrangements. We'll be doing a lot more test work around the the graphite. You know, putting it into a specific battery, seeing what that does to it. Um, so a little bit of test work around the rutile, although we're pretty damn sure that that is very hot to trot. Um, and, uh, you know, starting work on potential thoughts around pilot mining, thoughts around obviously getting the BFS done. We want to be looking at uh, being in production in and around 2026, right? So the fact that we found this, or we tripped over it in end of 2018, and projects this side, you know, it takes 10 to 15 years to do the exploration, then it takes 10 years to build it, uh, you know, as opposed to us, We've done it, we, you know, we've explored, we've found what we have, we're, we're putting numbers around it, and that's within the space of like kind of six years before we start to build it. And what, what about the kind of, I mean, we talk about this sort of, you know, North America, jurisdictional risk, right? You know, North America is, I guess, experiencing some of that, um, some of those hiccups um, as, as well. It's not just, you know, South America with, you know, social unrest or um, and, and social license, et cetera, but Africa. So far, it's proven to be quite a good place to kind of get the whole licensing and permitting component through. Given the size of this, and given it's all near surface as well, are you, what sort of hoops are you jumping through on that front? Um, look, for us, you're right. Given the size of this, things like social, things like resettlement, obviously are at the forefront, and they drive everything we do. But because it's so big, it's not an issue for us. If there is a village, if there is cultural, uh, you know, monuments or anything like that, we just mine somewhere else. Those numbers that I gave you, that one and a half billion dollars of MPV, that's from only mining 30% of the resource. So when you start thinking about, well, if you were to, you know, you were able to even double that, we're talking astronomical numbers here. That's interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting because at, at some point, obviously, as you move through the economic phases, economic study phases, you're going to work out that, you know, the, the best way to optimize that, starting that, and then obviously self-funding it moving uh, on and, you know, obviously managing that cash flow component and free cash flow component. Um, that's an, actually, I had appreciated the, there was only 30%. That, well, okay, a big number, big number. Um, okay, so look, look I think... Let's just um, park it up there. I just wanted to kind of get in, have a conversation with you, you know, now, so see what you've been up to. And I can tell that you've been up to a lot. We'll look forward to kind of the, the kind of Q3, because um, that's that's not so far away. We're, we're mid-June. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not. I think, Matthew, that's why, you know, we haven't we we haven't had this face-to-face for a while, because, you know, the, the whole team being, you know, Heads down, making sure that we get the right numbers. We don't. We don't want to be one of those uh, companies that rushes out of PFS only to optimize, re-optimize, enhance, re-enhance, and before you know it, you're, you've wasted three years when you could have just been doing the definitive feasibility study and getting on towards FID. Well, I, but I think to be fair, I think you're in the lucky position that it's all kind of near surface and it's just you know open pit. It will, with very little overburden um, as well. So it's a very simplified mining process for you and then it's a case of processing 
to with the methodology to kind of process it, be the most efficient you can be. So, um, yeah. Um, well, like, Safran, like, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're, you're busy running around, so we'll let you get back to it. Um, and we'll speak to you soon, okay? Brilliant. Thanks, Matthew.